the blueprint. Say blueprint. This is a look at the New Testament church through the eyes of the book of Acts. The book of Acts. And our scripture today is taken from several passages, but I want to begin in verse 1 of chapter 8. And here's what the Lord says. Now Saul, consenting to his death, at the time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc. He destroyed the church. Entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Say you're wrong, but you think you're right. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we bless your name today. Minister to us as only you can. God, we are grateful that God the Spirit is here. Now, oh God, move God. Lift us up to higher heights in you. We ask in Jesus' name, the church said amen. amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You're wrong, but you think you're right. I know I'm right. <laughs> I'm wrong. I, in hindsight, I understand better while, why many of the things I experienced as a child growing up in North Philadelphia were allowed by God. I'm only alive by the grace of God. I should not be here. One of the things that I enjoy doing as a youngster is getting into people's cars. I now, <clears throat> it, it wasn't just anybody's car. You had to know the person in order to have permission. And I just love going places in a car, because we never went anywhere. We went somewhere, we got on the bus, and it was downtown and back. So if somebody said yes, I was in. One of the gentlemen who would frequently say yes was Mr. Shorty. Guess why he was named Shorty? He could barely see over the steering wheel. And he drove a heavy, long Cadillac. And whenever I would ask Mr. Shorty, can I go? Get in. i get in in the back and uh, just be wherever he would go. If it would be around the block, I was just glad to be in the car. Problem with Mr. Shorty is that he liked driving drunk. Now, as a child, I didn't understand that I'm saying drunk because that's what it was. We didn't know inebriated. We didn't know intoxicated. He was drunk, falling over drunk. But he get in that car, and I see you going, I'm going. And nothing ever happened until one day I got in the car with Mr. Shorty, and he started driving the wrong way on a one-way street. 
And the more people blew and yelled and warned, the louder he got with his horn and with his words, and he started cussing. Y'all going the wrong way. Y'all need to know how to drive. Y'all got a problem. He just kept on blazing up a one-way street, and he, he insisted that he was right and everybody else was wrong. The only thing I believe that saved our lives that day when Mr. Shorty was wrong, but he thought he was right, is that we came to a stop sign. And he literally stopped the car. He put it on the brake. And while we were at the stop sign, he fell asleep at the wheel. <laughs> Head and face first. And then he woke up and lifted his feet off of the accelerator. And we gradually drifted into several parked cars, hitting, hitting each one of them. And he wakes up fully, what's wrong with them? They parked on the wrong side of the street. Why would they do? So he's arguing. And as he's arguing, I'm exiting. We're at 30, 30th and York Street, and I'm exiting. And the neighbors are coming out, and they're opening up the driver's side of the car. And as I'm making my way home, they're dragging Mr. Shorty out. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can say is he survived that, but it wasn't pretty, but I was too young to help. I did tell people what was going on. Sometimes we can think we're right, and we're wrong as three left shoes. And I believe the older we get, the more dangerous we get, because nobody, we call it being stubborn, but really, we just wrong. And we determine that we're right, we're right, we're right. In Acts chapter 7, we read about a crime, an injustice that is actually taking place where an innocent man is being stoned to death because he preached Jesus. Stephen was one of the first deacons, and the Bible says in, at the beginning of chapter 7 that God performed many signs and miracles through Stephen. So he was doing great work, and the religious leaders were jealous because not only was he powerfully being used by God, but he was an excellent instructor of the word of God. And so they stoned him to death, but... When you study the context of why they killed, why they murdered this man, Stephen, is that they really thought they were right, but they were wrong. You can kill somebody thinking you're right, and you're wrong. One of the passages that I want you to rest your eyes on that you could gloss over in chapter 7, in verse 54 of the book of Acts, we, we read uh, in verse 54, it says, When they heard these things from Stephen, they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. They were agitated. They were upset. And they gnashed their teeth. They just grinded their teeth at him. But being filled with the Holy Spirit, 
Stephen gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing up at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man is standing at the right hand of God. When he said that, that was it. They, they, they just couldn't, they couldn't take no more Bible. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears. They put their fingers over their ears. And they ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their coats. Here's the verse. Here's the verse. At the feet of a young man named Saul. I want you to underline that they laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Sometimes when you're wrong but you think you're right, you can influence people that will take what you started to a degree that was way beyond what you thought would actually end up occurring. And so Saul, the Bible says he was in full agreement. It doesn't say that he threw any stones. He probably was too young to be a part of this execution of a deacon in the church. But he happily, he happily allowed those who were participants to place at his feet their coats. Has anybody placed at your feet coats when you know they're wrong, but you don't want them to know that you disagree? And so you just keep silent. That's what the Apostle Paul did. Now, I want to talk about how it is that you can be wrong but think you're right in the way that it could cause you to do what these people did. They literally picked up bricks, and they watched the man breathe his last. And as he is dying, he's looking into heaven. The Bible says that Jesus, who is described in the scriptures that when he died and he ascended into heaven, the first thing that Jesus did that no other high priest could do because he said on the cross, tell to less die, it is finished. He didn't say I am finished. He said it is finished. The work of redemption is complete. And therefore, what no other priest could do or say, Jesus said and did. So the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of the Father in heaven as a high priest in Hebrews chapter 11. But when Stephen was being stoned, the Bible says he looked into heaven, he glazed and gazed into heaven, and Jesus, who was sitting down, stood up. And he went into heaven praying for those who were stoning him. Do not hold to their account what they are doing, for they know not what they do. They think they're right. but they're wrong. I want you to understand this is important. This will wreck your marriage. You think you're right, but you're wrong. It will wreck your friendship. You think you're right, but you're wrong. It, it, will, it will cause you to prematurely leave a job or, 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 or quit something that God didn't give you permission to quit because you're right and everybody else is wrong. We need to get this. You can be wrong even when you think you're right. Now, there's some, some causes that we can see in the Apostle Paul's life that, will cause, that can cause us to feel like we're right when we're wrong. And the first of those causes is in uh, Philippians chapter 3. We're not going to read all the verses, but three, 
chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. That is false information and doctrine. False teaching and false information can make you think you're right when you're wrong. Now, listen to what the scripture says in these verses. Paul says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anybody could brag about their pedigree and their standing, if someone could, it should be me. I could have full confidence in my flesh. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm, of the, I'm from the people of Israel, so the circumcision was required for a Jewish child to happen on a male for, on, on the eighth day. He said, that happened. He said, I'm a, na- I'm a member of the nation of Israel. He said, I'm of a tri- I can trace my ancestry.com all the way back to the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I'm a Hebrew among Hebrews. That means Paul was multilingual. He could speak Hebrew. He could speak Aramaic. He could speak Greek. He could pound this. I'm a bad man. He says, uh, I, 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 in regards to the law, I was a Pharisee. He was a, a part of the elitist. There's, there was a group of 70 men who were what we would be equivalent to our Supreme Court, the Apostle Paul was a part of that group. He was a doctor of ministry. Uh, and he said, for, as regarding zeal, I persecuted the church. He said, so this, he said if, I, if I shared my resume, the information that I could put on my resume could, could make me, and, and it did, feel like I was right and all the Christians were wrong. Where I come from, where I live, where my family background, what, what we roll up in the church in. You don't understand the business. You don't understand. We go all the way back to Louisiana and to Georgia, and I can give you all my ancestry information. So he was priding himself with what he knew about his past, what he accomplished, who he knew, where he went, where he'd been, what people said. He had an impeccable reputation. This was, that's Saul. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you know him. He's got the PhD. That's Saul. He's the one who, went, who studied under the, under the great Gamaliel as a, as a Sanhedrin. And so what you know about yourself and you try to, if we often, when we try to define who we are, we talk about, say, who, who are you? And we start talking about what we do. I work here. I went there. I got this degree. That's not who you are. That's what you do. And so false information will make you think you don't need salvation. You don't need Jesus. You don't need to change. Uh, you got to be right because how could you be wrong when you're Hebrew of the Hebrews from the nation of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day? According to the law, I'm perfect. That's a lie because nobody could keep the law but in your own mind. So there's false information, but there's also false doctrine. He said that the salvation that came from what I was taught, from what I believed, was based on a justification that comes from men, from religion. Religion doesn't make you righteous. Jesus said, well, did Isaiah prophesy to you? This people draw near to me with their mouths, but their hearts, their hearts are far from me because salvation does not come from the outside in. It comes from the inside out. Because if any man be in Christ, the Bible says, he who began a good work in you. And so false information and teaching, what are you teaching your children? 
teach them about their identity as, a, as, as, as an African American, but don't tell them they're better. They're not better. We're different. Guess what? Ain't no such thing as white man, black man. We all dirt. We all dirt. Different shades. The Bible said from ashes to ashes, from dust to dust. Guess what? When you die and I die, we're going to turn right back from what God fashioned the first man from. He fashioned Adam from the dust of the earth. We're just different shades of the same, same material. There, is, there aren't multiple races. There's a human race. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. We're homo sapiens. They're different species. We got the same DNA. We bleed the same way. Same kidneys. My hair may be a little not straight as yours, but <laughs> it's still hair. It's whatever I got left. I'm working on it. Four generations of women were meeting for Thanksgiving. Their extended family all gathered in this huge home and uh, there was a youngest mother and her children, her mother, second generation, third generation, her mother was there, and the fourth generation, that person was there too. And they were getting ready to, 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 to put the ham in the oven, and before they put the ham in the oven, the youngest uh, 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 mother in, the, in, in that extended generation of women, she got ready to cut, uh, watch her mother cut the butt of the ham off, the best part of the ham. So she said, whoa, whoa, mom, why are you cutting the butt of the ham off? She said, because my mother did it. She said, well, let's go ask your mother. So the youngest mother asked the second mother, why are you doing it? So the second generation asked the third generation, Mom, why did you cut the butter him off? She said, because my mother did it. She said, well, let's go ask the fourth, let's go ask Mom why she did it. She said, well, uh, when we would get hams during the Great Depression, we didn't have a pot that was big enough for the ham, so we just cut a part of it off. <laughs> So we, you, you, you got a family tradition of cutting the best part of the meat off based on misinformation. There was no rhyme or reason other than they had a plan that was too smart. You're throwing away all of this good food because somebody else did it, and you never asked the question, why? False information. I want, you to, I want you to know just because it's on Google doesn't mean it's accurate. Just because it went viral doesn't make it accurate. Just because you think you saw it when you saw it doesn't mean that you have the context of what you're seeing. It turns out to be entirely different. Then we done, we done took, taken what we saw and we run with it. We told everybody about uh, 10 people died. Nobody died. They just merged a, a, a different... Uh, 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 of scenes and, and made it seem like it was a singular thing. So we need to be very careful. So be very careful. False doctrine, false information. Here, also, uh, here's a second reason. Our fallen nature. The reason why we can think we're right, why we can sit in a room with uh, leaders from all around the world and we got our arms folded, we looking at them like this. I dare you to make me think differently. I dare you to make me change my mind. I dare you to make me think I'm not wrong. How does that happen? Fall in nature. The Bible says our thoughts are not his thoughts, neither are our ways his ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways and his thoughts. Our, we are, David says, I was shaped in iniquity and born in sin. We are naughty by nature. We don't think like God on our own. 
Well, why not? Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can the unsaved, the unregenerate, the, the person who has a first nature, the Adamic nature, cannot receive, cannot accept, cannot comprehend. Oh, he got all kinds of degrees, got all kinds of experience. Without the Spirit of God, the Bible says, God's word is foolishness, makes no sense. That's why you can be wrong and think you're right because you don't understand spiritual things. The Bible says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end of the way of man's thinking leads to death. The way thinking wrong can lead not only to physical death, but to eternal death because you can die rejecting Christ thinking you're right, but you, you're wrong. Fallen nature, failure to obey the word of God. Be ye doers of the word. You're not, the reason you're thinking wrong, because you know, oh, the Bible doesn't work. I tried it. I prayed three minutes, and, I've been, and it didn't happen. I, was just, I, I thought that it was supposed to happen, because you prayed. No, 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 the Bible didn't say that. The Bible says that if we pray, we have this confidence that if we pray anything according to his will, we have it. If it's according to his will. But he also says, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. We need to apply the word of God. Apply the word of God. Are you living by the word? I want you to understand that the word is not lacking. What's lacking is our inability and unwillingness to obey the word that can accomplish everything that God can do. Here's another thing that happens. Not just failure to keep the word, but feelings, feelings that silence the facts. When the members of the Sanhedrin, going back to Acts chapter 7, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth. They didn't care about no facts. When we get in our feelings, we ain't caring no more. We ready to knuckle down. We ready to get the Vaseline. We ready to get that, get the, get the roll, get my hair from plastic. We're going to do this. One of my coworkers was talking about, she told her, meet me at the parking lot. Wait a minute, you got a master's degree? You've been in this for 15 years? You a counselor? You a therapist? Talking about meet me on the parking lot. <laughs> when your feelings are running the show, the Bible says live, we, we should live with our feelings because our heart is deceitful. Our emotions cannot be trusted above all things. They're desperately wicked. Who can know that we don't even understand ourselves? You don't know why you got so loud, why you punch a hole in the wall, why you can't see straight. You're so angry, the smoke's coming out of your ears. When you get in your feelings, facts don't matter. You're chasing somebody down like one of my boys did. We're going back to Cheney. He chased this guy down, almost ran him off the, off the road, and he pushed him, you know, forced him into the uh, gutter and got out of the car, pulled him in. This dude kept going up. He pulled the man. man just kept going up. Football player. Oh, God, I, I tell you what, I watched. I didn't, I, I didn't let him get killed. I never got out of the car. Never got out of the car. But my friend took a terrible beating. Your feelings, you can leave church right now. And say, I love Jesus, going to heaven when I die. And somebody cuts in front of you. I never would want to own a gun. I'm cool now, but there was a time when I had a very bad temper. I'm a guy that would use the gun. I would. I know that. I don't need one. Oh, he'd have passed. He wouldn't do that. In my, in my flesh, 
Here, here's another cause. Focusing on what you see rather than what God has said will cause you to think you're right when you're wrong. Remember when, the, and this, write this down, in Numbers chapter 13, the Lord sends through Moses 12 spies. They stay there 40 days and 40 nights. Ten of the spies come back. What you said, Moses, it was all there. They're flowing with milk and honey. Man, is that a great place. But they've got giants in the land. they got people that they, 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 they don't just kill you. They eat you after they kill you. Got the, the, the descendants of Anak, you got Nephilim, you got giants in the land. I know what God said, but we can't, we, we, we can't do this because when we looked at them, when we looked at the eagles and then looked at the giants, the eagles looked like giants and we looked like grasshoppers. And then Caleb and Joshua, surely if God said we can do it, we can. But when you focus on what you see, something happens. Oh, my God, it's going to happen. We're going to die. We can't pay our bills. I'm going to lose my job. I, I gained two pounds. And you're focusing on what you see. What did God say about what you're looking at? I will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. I can do what? How many things through Christ who strengthened me? Greater is he who is in me than he is what? He is in the world. But if you focus on what you can see, you're going to be like Peter, walking on the water. you cool. You're going to Jesus. Oh, my goodness. And then you see the waves. And the next thing you know, you're walking out of your marriage. You're walking away from your job. Things are coming out of your mouth that you thought you never would ever say to anybody. When we, when we focus on what we, can, what we see, the Bible says we walk by what? See. Not by? Amen. Here's another big problem that can cause you and I to think we're wrong, we're right when we're wrong, is the fear of, of of a perceived threat. You think somebody is trying to harm you, take something from you, they, they have an advantage over you. We call that jealousy and envy. When you get a chance in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 8 through 9, they were singing to David after David slew Goliath. David has slain his 10,000. He only slew Goliath. But Saul has only slain his thousands. The women just messed stuff up. David has slain. They just dancing and shaking. David has slain. Men get all crazy around women. I was up at the YYs. This dude, toothless dude, standing in line. I step out to look, and he's going to swell up on me because one of his cold female workers is around. I looked at him. I said, praise the Lord. I like to take Minister Will with me, boy. That boy, he scared people. I said, Come on, Minister Will. We're going down the road. We're going down the road. We're going down the road. So he, Saul said, when he heard, the Bible says, that what the women were singing displeased the king. And then he said, the Bible said he thought in his mind, what else would he want but my kingdom? You know he's coming after my wife. You know he's coming after my kids. You know he's coming after my job. You know he's going to come after me. David had no idea that that was going on in Saul's mind. And the scripture said, from that day forward, Saul looked upon David with suspicion. When you fear people are going to hurt you, when you fear being rejected, when you fear failure, you won't think right. 
Dirt, you can, you can put on all the clothes you want, but if you got dirty clothes on, you dirty. You got to change how you think. The Bible says, as you think, that is who you are. That's why we need our minds renewed. We need our thoughts changed because when you don't think right, you're going to draw the wrong conclusions that somebody's trying to hurt you, somebody's trying to get an event, and that was not even in the cards. It will impact every, you can't, you're not ready for marriage if you don't look, if you don't think right about you. Well, when I get married, I'll feel better. No, you won't. You'll just feel even more insecure. Because marriage doesn't hide weaknesses, it exposes them. Somebody say amen. They have, uh, in the NFL, every coach at the, at the beginning of every game, you get Two, three challenge flags. Is it three? three. It's three, right? <clears throat> and that means when the refs get it wrong like they did against Washington and our guy gets all tore up with his face mask, our coach can throw the yellow challenge mask because of the red. Mm -hmm. that's, that's another sport, yellow. <laughs> that's, that's soccer. So the red challenge flag which means that the refs thought they were wrong, but they thought they were right, but they were wrong. So the challenge flag allows you to review the instant replay, and you can see if you were wrong or they were wrong, and then you get the right conclusion, right? Most of the time, unless you're in Boston or in New York. <laughs> so, so anyway, the good news is that instant replay will give you different angles and slow it down and, and you get an opportunity to see that what you thought you saw you really didn't see and you can make it, you know what? I'm gonna give you your time back because you were wrong, you were right to throw the flag. Wouldn't it be nice if we had challenge flags in our relationships? I never said that. That's not really how I'm feeling. That's not how I'm thinking. But the challenge flag can show you the true motives of a person's heart, what they're really thinking, who was really right, who left the food out all night. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not how it works. And so we need to understand the causes, the causes. Let's move on. The causes. It'd be nice if we had challenge flags. And there's so many cameras in our homes. Cameras can be used as challenge flags. Actually, you can actually show what what actually took place. Now, here's what Satan's craftiness is involved when you when you are wrong but you think you're right. And so the first thing we have some causes of thinking you're right when you're wrong. But here's Satan's craftiness. When you get a chance in Acts chapter nine verses one through two, Saul didn't just decide to go throw Christians into prison. He didn't decide to destroy the church on his own. He had to get legal documentation. So watch this. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus so that he could find anyone who was a part of the way, Christians, whether men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So what Satan, the craftiness of Satan, is that he will support your wrong decision. And so you, it must be right because gambling is legal. 
it must be right because if you love him and he's a him and he's a she, you can marry who you want. It, it's legal. It must be right. They're selling. You can get any just about any. By the time we get finished, all drugs will be legal. It, it got to be because it's legal. If it wasn't right, why would it be legal? If it wasn't right, why are my friends signing off on it? And so the, the, the craftiness of Satan is that he subtly is working behind in such a way because he is the God of this world that he will set up laws that will teach you that, that what God calls an abomination, what God calls sin, the devil will call it right. So there's a lot of things when you talk to Christians, well, I don't see anything wrong with it. And in my opinion, we got, what, what does God say about it? And the question, if you are a Christian, what determines what we finally decide is that if God has spoken on it, that settles it. So we, we need to be getting back to the scripture. You'd be talking to people, and they'd be talking about what's legal and, and how I feel. And he said, well, let's look at the Bible. Well, we don't need to do that. That's for church. No, no, no. But you're a Christian. So we see, this, we, see Satan's, uh, we see Satan's craftiness where he will support wrong thinking by making you think it's right, by even legalizing things. Legalizing, slavery used to be legal. A man could beat his wife for any reason, divorce his wife for it. That was legal. Does that make it right? Oh, okay, maybe it is right. I don't know. Men, uh, you better watch out. <laughs> Your wife might be handling you. <laughs> There's nothing in, in the Bible said. well, the Bible says be you, the Bible says don't be drunk. It doesn't say you can't drink, but dr drunkenness is legal. You can, you, can, you can get falling out drunk. But 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, verse uh, 9, is, Paul says in verse 11, he says, all things are lawful. All things are available, but not all things are beneficial. And he says, I will not be brought under the subjection, under the control of anything but Jesus. But Satan will support wrong thinking by his, this world system. How are you developing your, your decision-making skills? What are, where, where are you going to make life choices? To the scriptures or to Google? You will find Satan's support to justify wrong thinking. That's how we can have a January 6th, because Satan will support evil even in the name of it being lawful, even in the name of I'm being a patriot. Let me, let me run on. <clears throat> Satan also will suppress the truth. He actively, aggressively makes efforts to prevent you from hearing the truth. The Bible says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and everyone who holds down the truth, who actively prevents you from trying to get the truth. Satan in his craftiness will do everything to keep you from knowing when you're wrong. He's like the car salesman. You go into the used car salesman, <laughs> and the first thing you see is how shiny that car is, how new it looks. He doesn't tell you that he rolled the, the odometer back. Doesn't tell you how many accidents the car was in. Doesn't tell you that it has a secret oil leak. And that's what the devil does. He hides. He shows you the good, but he doesn't show you that when you bite into that apple, when you try that, there's a razor blade on the inside. The Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest they receive the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the icon, who is the image of Christ, of God. 
So the devil will actively do whatever he can to keep you from opening up your Bible, to keep you from praying, to keep you from going to church. Because he knows if you hear the truth, the truth will what? The truth will set you free. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So he don't want you coming to church. He don't want you reading your Bible. He doesn't want you hiding the word. The word of God, when you hide it in your heart, the Bible says that's how we will avoid sinning against God. Satan suppresses the truth. Let me hurry on. Satan will surround you with people and messages that agree with you. Saul was raised around a system that taught him that Jews were elite. They were, they were set aside by God, and therefore they didn't need a savior. He was surrounded by that all of his life. I want to show you how Satan will use he will surround you by people and messages that will, will encourage you to think wrong. The computer, the algorithms, they pay attention to your habits. They pay attention to the sites that you go to. So then they generate the, 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 the websites, the, the shopping places, the articles. I like sports, so th what's going to happen on my screen, sports information is going to pop up because the computer has set up a system to surround you with things that will reinforce the way you think. The God, the prince of the power of the air uses, this, uses something that could be good, the computer system. You don't have to be, well, you, you know what? I have a thousand followers. Well, the devil has just surrounded you with people who like you and they, you like them because they allow you to keep thinking wrong. And so the devil will surround you with people who think like you, but the only way that you're going to grow beyond you is to, the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. But if you're somewhere in the corner hanging around with a dull blade, you'll never become all that God wants you to be. So the, so the craftiness is saying, let me run on. I, I'm going I'm to, some of the consequences. Are you, do you want to hear the consequences of, of what, what happened? So we see the causes. We see the craftiness of Satan. Here's some, here's some consequences. You hurt people. When you were thinking wrong, you think you're right, but you're wrong. Paul thought he was doing right by capturing Christians and throwing them into jail. They were innocent. They hadn't done anything to him. They were, they were actually servants of God. When you think wrong, you're going to hurt people that are close to you. You're going to hate the ones who love you, and you'll love the ones who hate you. Your parents are going to be your number one enemies, and they're your major, major advocates. You know there are a bunch of hypocrites up in the church. and they ain't, nothing, they ain't never stop you from going to work and getting your paycheck. Those bunch of shysters where you work, you call them that too. You may not call them. That's a little old term. You know, I'm giving my age. But I'm not going to let anybody keep me from what God has for me. And so I'm going to press my way because I know that I'm going to find the hem of his garment where the people of God is. It may be crowded. It may be early. But I'm going to press my way so that I can get what God wants for me. And beyond that, when I get to where God's people are, I'm going to keep on wrestling with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to let him go. I don't care what she may be doing or he may be doing. But until he blesses me, I didn't just come here to look nice. I didn't just come here to... Let 
let people see me. I have come that God might bless me. So I'm grabbing a hold of his word. I'm grabbing a hold of what the spirit of God is trying to tell me until he blesses me. Anybody want to be blessed today? Are you holding on? Are you desperate enough to reach for the hem of his garment? I don't know what you're going through, but some of what you may be going through requires learning how to humble yourself and reach and crawl and cry out until you get your blessing. You will hurt people. You're hurting people. You're destroying your marriage because you'd rather, you'd rather be right than to make it right. You hurt people. You hinder your own spiritual growth. Paul would have, he said, everything that I had that I thought made me who I was and caused me to be acceptable to God, he said, those are the very things that kept me from God. So what I needed most was Jesus, but what I had was religion. But now that I have Jesus, I look back and I count everything that kept me from Christ. I count it as dung. I count it as refuge. But when you think wrong, it will hinder you from growing spiritually. It will hinder you from growing spiritually. You will not be able to hear the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit. Let me run on. You will hamper personal healing. Remember the man in John chapter 5, verses 5 through 6? Jesus, the Bible said he saw that the man had been sick. He, he learned that he'd been lame for 38 years, and then Christ approaches the man. He said, do you want to be healed? He didn't answer the question. He started making excuses. When I try, I've been sick for a long time. You don't know how many bad relationships I had. You don't want what, that, what my husband, my boyfriend's husband's mother did to me with the kids. So he was more interested in being victimized, more interested in, in, in making excuses than to be receiving healing. Yeah, you've, been, you've gone through, but that doesn't give you the right to be a victim. Jesus, do you want to be healed? He started hemming in hard. You don't know my age. You don't know my credentials. I never went to college. The Lord didn't ask him any of that. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to overcome what people have done to you? Do you want to continue to allow to give, give people who've hurt you power over you? Or do you want to be healed? You may be delaying your healing. Jesus just ignored the man and said, get up. Get up. Stop making excuses. Stop blaming other people. Stop feeling sorry on your, for yourself. Stop delaying. Stop procrastinating. And the Bible said the moment he heard the command of Jesus, he stood up. And he who had not been able to walk for 38 years now, how is she so confident? Why is she not afraid anymore? Why is she so articulate? Because you stood up. You stopped delaying. You're healing. Let me, let, me, let me finish here. Here's some, here's some cures. Let me give you some cures. Here's how the Lord helped Paul not to think he was right when he was wrong. Say, be direct. The Bible says in, in Acts chapter 9, verse, verse 3, it says, As he neared Damascus, Paul, on his journey, suddenly, say suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around and knocked Paul on his backside off the horse. Is that direct? And the Lord says, Saul, Saul, 
one of the first things that's going to help you and me to realize we're wrong when we think we're right, we need to be direct. You need to be honest with yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I telling myself the truth? Is it really my circumstance that has kept me at this pool lame all of these years? The Lord was direct. Saul, Saul, he knocked him off of his horse and saw he had his undivided attention. There's some people that you need to be direct with, but before you do that, make sure you got the telephone pole out of your eye. Here's another thing. Tell the truth. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute? That's the truth. Who are you, Lord? Jesus said, he said, I am Jesus, the one you have persecuted. When you go to somebody and you be direct, tell them the truth. Here's how you are wrong. Here's how you are wrong. Had some guy, uh, just don't have time, but anyway, tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. Here's the third thing. Humbly accept correction. If it's you that somebody's being direct with and telling you the truth, men have a hard problem with this. We, we, we ain't trying to be told. We ain't trying to be bossed around. We the boss. Kind of quiet up in here. <laughs> Just ask your wife. <laughs> so the Bible says when Jesus said, get up and go to a street called Straight and there's a man waiting for you, guess what Saul did? He humbly obeyed. He did what the Lord said do. You're not going to be corrected if you aren't humble to receive correction. Here's another thing, and the last thing. Trust the Lord for the results. When you get direct with somebody, you tell them the truth, and uh, they humbly, uh, you, they, hum they seem like they're humbly responding. And you, here, the other thing was provide solutions. You can tell people the truth, but the Lord says, here's what you do to get this right. Go to a street called Straight. There's a man named Ananias who is praying for you that I've already. So give solutions. So be, be, be direct. Tell the truth. Give solutions. Humbly submit and then trust the Lord. Leave the results to the Lord. When Saul went to uh, Aeneas, Aeneas was scared, but he obeyed God. He laid hands on Paul's eyes, and the scales fell off. And once Paul, the scales, the blindness was removed about him being wrong and God being right, Paul became the greatest apostle of all of the apostles. But still say, I'm the least of them all. Stand with me. Stand with me. Trust the Lord for the results. Amen? Somebody say amen. A woman filed divorce against her husband. He received the papers at his job. And he called his pastor. And the pastor agreed to meet with he and his wife. And he asked the wife, why are you divorcing your husband? You've been married for so long. And she said, he's cheating. And he said, well, okay. How do you know he's cheating? She said, well, my husband has been working a second job for a year. I haven't seen a dime of it. So when I look at that bank account, I don't see any indication what would he be doing with that money other than cheating. And then the pastor looked at the husband and said, is she telling the truth? And he said, Pastor, I've been married to her for 40 years. 
We've never been on vacation. I've never taken my wife anywhere. He said, I took a second job to save money to surprise her to take her on a cruise. And he said, well, and he opened up his wallet. He says, here's every cent of it. You can be wrong, but think you're right. You done wrecked your marriage. You done wrecked your relationship. You done drawn all kinds of conclusions about, I've got cancer. You don't have none of that. Just ate bad pizza. We don't want to be wrong and think we're right. You can hurt people that love you. You can be hindering your own healing. What is holding you back from the deliverance that God wants to give you? I know it happened. I'm not denying that it happened. But you're wrong to think it's right to be unforgiving, to hold a grudge, to be vindictive, to be malicious, to have bitterness in your heart. You're wrong to call yourself a Christian and be unkind and unloving and unfriendly. It's wrong to be mean. I don't care how good it makes you feel because it seems like you know you're not. You are in charge, not the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, may we never become so confident in our spirituality that we don't recognize that we can be wrong. We can be wrong. Maybe be willing to let every man be a liar and God be true, starting with us. God, I pray that you would give us a heart of flesh and not a heart of, a heart of stone. Because you said, the moment that you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. When we hear a message like this, and then we're thinking about somebody else, oh, they should have heard this one. We've hardened our hearts. Because we've concluded like Paul, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I'm a, no, 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 no. We are sinners saved by grace. Now, God, have your way. Have your way in this church today. Father, when, when, when our hearts are hearts of flesh, we will love people like you love them. We will put the interests of others above our own. Father, we will not be striving for recognition and titles and positions. We will simply want to be servants. Father, I pray that no one will be greater than me in this church. I want to be the greatest servant. Help me to be the greatest servant in this church. For you have called us, Lord. You said it's required of a steward to be found faithful. I want to be found faithful. And now, God, for those whose heads are bowed, I pray that if there's someone here today that has never asked Jesus Christ to, to come into their life as their Savior and Lord, I didn't say join the church. Joining the church doesn't change your heart. 